Well, hello all, Mike Falkenstein here with 1A Catalyst. Together with my friend Steve Shermer of Silk Road Catalyst, I'm one of the co-hosts of Missions Talk. Missions Talk is a show where we have regular media content on best practices and inside looks into what God is doing around the world in missions, featuring guests that are involved in global missions from parachurch organizations, churches, and other missions networks around the world. We have a deep heart to help you find ways to reach your world for Christ. And on today's episode, we talked to Denny Spitters and Matthew Ellison on the contents of their book on Is Every Christian a Missionary? Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for this, the latest episode of Missions Talk. I'm Mike Falkenstein with 1A Catalyst, here again with a um, my co-host, Steve Shermer. Steve in uh, South Carolina with... Silk Road Catalyst, and uh, Steve, uh, we've got a good episode uh, today, don't we? We do. We've got, uh, we did an episode last year with uh, Matthew, Matthew Ellison, and, and now we've got his, uh, his, I don't know, colleague, not uh, organizational yeah. colleague, but his authored colleague, um, yeah. Danny Spitters, and it's a great book. They have a podcast. I love the podcast. I've been listening to it every time they throw out an episode. I'm there. And I am. I'm excited that they're here because this is a great topic when we're talking about is every Christian a missionary or not? And right. why? So we're going to dive in this with them. Yeah, that's right. And so Matthew and uh, Denny, I'm so glad that you're, uh, that you're with us. And I have to tell you that uh, love everything you guys are doing. Uh, you know, the first book was good. You now have a second book, uh, which I thought I've actually just begun reading it. So I'm still in the process of reading it. So, um, Matthew, why don't we start with you? Why don't you give us a quick kind of the two or three minute kind of introduction? And then, uh, Denny, why don't you do the same? I'd love for the, uh, folks, the, the folks watching to get, to get to know you guys a little better. Great. Well, again, I'm Matthew Ellison brothers. Thanks for having us on the call yeah. today. It's really great to be here. So I'm the president of 1615, which, if you're wondering, is named after the reference in Mark's gospel, mm. chapter 16, verse 15, which says, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. And we're missions mobilizers with an emphasis on the local church. So we come into local churches. We help them clarify their global mission. We help them to develop endemic vision, vision that accounts for their unique gifts, talents, and passions as a local body of believers. One of the convictions we have is that programs don't mobilize churches. It is the Holy Spirit taking his people through a process that mobilizes a church. So we engage churches in a process to help them clarify mission, develop vision that's unique to them, that's biblical, and then we help them deploy that vision. And we've been at it now for about 15 years, so um, it's been a great ride. And Denny's one of our not only uh, Danny represents pioneers, he'll share in a minute, they're one of our partners. Often when the church sees a vision emerge and they have a heart for the unreached, we will then make connections to various organizations that have expertise um, in a particular area. And so pioneers is often one that we connect to. That's great. That's great. Uh, and Denny, you're telling me you're out in, um, you're out in Orlando. Give us a little introduction. Sure. Um, yeah, it's great to be with you guys today. Thanks for having us on, and thanks for your very kind uh, comments. Um, yeah, Matthew and I are thrilled to be able to do uh, uh, these two books together. And um, uh, my background is actually as a part of—we're we're both actually churchmen at the core. So we love 
local church, we see it as God's plan A. There is no plan B. That plan A is the local church um, reaching out in terms of outreach where it exists and then mission in terms of missions to the world. Um, I have worked at Pioneers and served here for 15 years, uh, presently do so as vice president of church partnerships. So we have a team of uh, 10 and they are facilitators that live throughout the United States and they seek to really come alongside and encourage churches to uh, send people well and to even begin sending to uh, missionaries to unreached peoples. Um, and so that's Pioneers is uh, oh, a 40 plus year mission organization. And uh, the goal really and the vision at Pioneers is a relentless pursuit of the unreached. So that's our focus. And uh, Matthew and I are glad to be able to be here today. That's great. I love that. A relentless pursuit of the unreached. Uh, that we would have more of our uh, fellow believers that have would have a relentless pursuit of the unreached, right? Yeah. Uh, I love I love that statement. So, uh, so guys, um, we, we've got. I think we sent you ahead. You know our notes, and we've got five things we'd love to just kind of talk about. And it's kind of in this area of, you know, I mean, for you guys to write a book that is uh, titled "When Everything Is Missions." Um, and then, you know, I've, I've listened to some of the podcast content that you guys have, and clearly, uh, you do not think that, you know, every Christian should be called a missionary. And so, um, on the other hand, I, I, you know, advocate in our ministry that, you know, every Christian should play a part in Great Commission fulfillment. And so, um, on our show, we, you know, we're trying to sort of flesh out, you know, that, that idea, kind of the, you know, the not, not contradictions, but the, you know, the, the, the give and take in that area. And so um, why don't you guys just quickly, one or the other of you, give kind of a quick synopsis of, um, you know, why you all think that every Christian, you know, should not be called a missionary. It's a, it's a unique call for some, isn't it? Yeah, I, in our first book, uh, When Everything is Missions, we say it a little more clearly that calling everyone a missionary, though meant uh, positively to motivate believers, uh, disciples to evangelism and witness, actually creates a lot of confusion in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. So missionary, so to speak, and we realize it's not in the Bible, the word itself. However, the correlation is and missionary is an apostolic role that Christ gave to the church. One of five mentioned in Ephesians 4.11, where uh, Paul states clearly that, that Christ gave to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, uh, pastors, teachers. So um, the word there for apostles, uh, apostolos, or ap- from apostolo, means sent ones. And it's used 80 times in the New Testament. Wow. Jesus called himself an apostle. So, um, yeah, just to get right to it, we find it a little odd that we pick a gift and role of apostle and want everyone to identify with that role. Again, we think for what is motivating, uh, a good motivation— but yet we won't call everyone a pastor, a teacher, a prophet, 
So should all disciples call themselves pastors? I, I hope not. Uh, right. <laughs> it, that's very confusing and problematic. So our, con uh, our contention was uh, that words have meaning. And all parts of the body are not the same as and don't have the same function as Paul points out in 1 Corinthians 12. So when everything is done in Jesus' name, it's called missions, and every disciple is a missionary, we diminish the uniqueness of that calling and role. And um, we would be doing the same thing by calling every disciple a pastor or an elder. Uh, when we do that, uh, with the role of missionary or apostle, we at the very least, maybe not directly, but definitely indirectly, void that Romans 10 role of how can they believe in the one they have not heard of? How can they hear without a preacher? How can right. they hear unless they are sent? So that's our contention. That's great. I, that's I, I would add to that, looking at Ephesians Please. 4, uh, it was God who gave some, not all. I mean, the language there is very clear. There was some assigned to evangelism, some appointed to the work of the apostle. Maybe some of those gifts overlap, but it doesn't say he called all to those things. So that, that's just an important word to point out in the Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. That's great. I would agree with that, definitely. So um, so what we thought we'd do, guys, I pulled out uh, kind of five main points from a particular podcast episode that you did, as we mentioned, with um, your colleague Jeff Jackson. And we're going to give kind of a counterpoint to that and then give you guys the opportunity to kind of respond. So Steve, I think you've got um, uh, the first one that you'd want to give to the guys. Yeah, well, let's see now. You've uh, Danny's already uh, spoken to the question about uh, okay. nullifying the call of, of missionaries if we're calling everyone a missionary. I am curious if you want to expand on that uh, from what you've already said, but also, you know, how would you encourage non-missionaries, the non-traditional sent ones that are going abroad? How would you encourage them? Because we, I know the four of us, we all agree that everyone's called to be engaged in the Great Commission. We're all called to be uh, disciple makers. Uh, and like Danny said, which was actually going to be part of my question, which he already spoke to, was we would never call a Sunday school teacher or a small group leader a pastor, even though there are many of them that are probably acting more like pastors than actual professional pastors. Uh, in some churches, but we would still never call them that because it would still uh, nullify maybe uh, the specialness of being a pastor. That's probably not a good way to say it, but uh, would you, do you have anything you want to expand on that or how would you encourage the other believers who are not called to be cross-cultural missionaries? Matthew. Well, I would just emphasize what you've already said. And that is that everyone should be a part of the mission of God. No one is exempt from the privilege and responsibility of being a part of the family business of making disciples of all nations. Um, missionary is not a rank. That's really important to understand. It's a role. And all roles are necessary. And, and I'm going to use Third John as a way to emphasize the importance of different roles. That's the best missionary care letter ever written, in my opinion, Third John. Um, if you want to know what makes a godly old man happy, just read Third John. And John commends Gaius, who brings in these itinerant missionaries, very clear in the letter, 
and he they testify to John of this incredible work that Gaius did, and that work was caring for them. And it says, uh, John says to Gaius, they've gone out for the sake of the name among the Gentiles, nations, accepting nothing. He says, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God's name. Mm. And he says, when you do this, you'll be fellow workers for the truth. There's just one example, okay? So you have these itinerant missionaries, again, gone out. They've been sent out for the sake of the name among the Gentiles. And he says, we ought to support such in a manner worthy of God's name. So one, there's a particularization there. He doesn't say support any, but support such. But what's important to see in this passage is he elevates the importance of sending and supporting as high as it can possibly be elevated. He says, when you do this, you do it in a manner worthy of God's name. So we need to really esteem all of the roles, okay? It's against not a rank. You can't have goers unless they're senders. Romans 10 talks about it. How can they go unless they are sent, right? And so we need to say every single person has a vital contribution in this, but there are distinct roles that they're appointed and assigned by the Holy Spirit. So there's one example. Senders, supporters are valuable. Do we teach that in our churches? Do we say, listen, not all of you are called to go, but these this family that's going, they can't go without you, right? So mm. just one example. Yeah, Steve, I, I, I would expand on that a little bit more, too. You know, you brought up something I think that's good, that sometimes people have um, not necessarily roles, but giftings that they um, give to the body of Christ that overlap with some of the distinctives about some of these roles. Um, biblical scholars always note that we got to be careful to distinguish between God's commission to all Christians and that which he gives to his church as a whole or to specific people. Um, and I, I think this whole idea, we, we need to begin with the foundational identity that Jesus gave all of his followers, because your question is valid. I mean, um, aren't, isn't everybody supposed to be doing some of these things? Well, yeah, what do we call them? Well, Jesus calls us his disciples. So that's our identity. We are disciples. We are followers of him. And we're not saying that missions is for missionaries. I think Matthew just made that mm. abundantly clear. Missions is for the entire church with missionaries as the apostolic sent ones that have a distinct role. And I love what Justin Long says about this. He compares these terms and he says this, and I'll just quote him here. We say everyone a missionary, but we don't actually mean it. What we mean is every member a witness, in other words, ready to give a testimony to Jesus, every member an evangelist ready to share the good news, and every member a disciple maker who works with people to help them come in obedience to Jesus. Um, in our new book, uh, Conversations on When Everything is Missions, that Mike mentioned, mm. uh, David Platt says in chapter 11, and it's entitled, We Are Not All Missionaries, But We Are All on Mission. And this is what he says as a distinctive for this. Specifically, I would define a missionary as a disciple of Jesus set apart by the Holy Spirit 
and sent out from the church to cross geographic, cultural, or linguistic barriers as part of a missionary team focused on making disciples and multiplying churches among unreached peoples and places. Mm -hmm. I think that that is very, very helpful for us, especially as we look at Scripture, look at the examples that we see that are clear. Acts 13, 1-3 is a great foundation for kind of seeing what all is the role of the entire church, of leaders in this process, of those who are being sent. Um, the book of Acts has some really great specifics. Hey, guys, I, I know that uh, you have five questions we want to get through, but I got to hop in on this one if you'll allow me to. Oh, no, please. So, again, Denny said, uh, quoting Justin Long, that when we say everyone's a missionary, we probably don't mean it. Okay, so I've talked to many pastors, and that's what they say all the time. Everyone's a missionary. They're trying to mobilize their people to be actively engaged in sharing their faith. Again, well-intentioned. Um, something I've been doing recently is I've said, okay, so you believe everyone's a missionary. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit has appointed and gifted every single person in your church to be thrust out from this congregation, to learn a new language, to cross into a new culture, to share the gospel and plant churches? Do you believe that the Spirit of God has gifted everyone in that way? And you know what the pastor inevitably does is he shakes his head no. And you guys know this. There are people that you would not want to send. They're valuable to the body, but they are not gifted by the Spirit for this work. And so the pastor will shake his head, no, that is not what the Holy Spirit has appointed everyone in my church to. And I'll say, okay, then tell me this. What are we going to call those people that we're sending out to those places? And he goes, okay, I get what you're saying. So again, when you understand it is not a rank but a role and you push a little deeper, they don't really mean everyone's a missionary, in my opinion. Mm. No, That's I love great. it. You know, Matthew, I hadn't thought of it this way, but I like the way you put it. It's a role, not a rank. So it's not a rank in the sense that one is superior over another believer, just because, you know, when my family and I, we, we moved off to Asia and lived there, didn't make us better or superior than our senders. And then you pointed out the criticalness of senders in scripture as it was actually just timely the way you said that, because last night I'm, I'm taking some people in our church through a study about missions, about global missions, and last night was about sending, and just get to walk them through what the Bible says about senders, why they're critical, why they're imperative to the mission, why we may be on the front lines, but just because we're seeing it on the front line doesn't mean that their part is any less uh, than ours, because we can't be there without them. So I'm really glad you pointed that out. Well, great, guys. This is a great conversation. I, my, the, the second question we have kind of fits in well with this, um, with the first one. And so uh, in the podcast that I watched, and we'll, we'll have the link, by the way, in the description of this uh, episode. But um, at one point in the episode, you guys had mentioned, I think it was actually your guest, uh, Jeff Jackson, had mentioned that when you call everyone a missionary, you disconnect from the bigger picture um, uh, of, uh, you know, that God wants to reach all, all nations and what he called the meta narrative of what God is doing and we lose our way. And the critique to that, I think, would be that actually by calling all Christian missionaries, you're actually bringing them into the meta narrative. And one of the things that I have found in my own ministry is that at times, as I go to speak at churches, 
there is kind of this idea that Mike, all of this making disciples, preaching the gospel, being witnesses is great for you. That is your professional call. Uh, that has nothing to do with me. And so I guess the, um, the critique would be if, you know, the, the, the idea is that some of these people in our congregations feel like, yeah, that has nothing to do with me. And so I think you've addressed that some, some but I am interested in hearing some more of, from you guys about, you know, how we bring in, uh, you know, all Christians into this, uh, into this um, finding Great Commission fulfillment call uh, while still honoring, you know, those that are actually called to uh, overseas missions. Well, I'm going to say that one of our problems, and I'm not picking on pastors here, but it is true. We have divorced missions from our identity as disciples. The meta narrative, um, as Jeff described it, the arc of scripture, the grand story of redemption is a PS in most churches. We, we don't focus on the master mm. story. We focus on all the subplots. And so when we're getting a steady diet of all the subplots and a uh, Granted, the subplots are important. I mean, the stories are there for a reason, but they, they should all connect to the master story. Well, we don't do that. So we're making disciples who don't understand the meta narrative. Um, and when we do that, we lower our standards of what it means to be a disciple. And we've so lowered those standards that now, in order to motivate our people to do the work of the disciple, which is caring for orphans, feeding empty bellies, taking care of widows— in order to get disciples to do that work, we have to call the missionaries. Um, so, you know, we've lost the master story. They, they don't see their identity as disciples as a part of this larger picture. So in order to motivate them to do their work, we have to call them this. But here's something Denny and I've talked about a bunch. If someone's not behaving like a disciple, you're not going to change their behavior by calling them a missionary. It doesn't work that way. You know, <laughs> that's right. You, you really need to understand what it means to be a disciple. And again, understanding that every disciple has a role in the larger picture here. So, you know, there's a lot of angles to take on this, but, but I think we need to recapture the master story. We need to communicate the grand narrative and that everyone can be a part of the story. Again, they just have different responsibilities and roles. Danny, you want to key on that one? I think that's really great. I, I, we, we have so lowered the bar for what discipleship is that um, it is not only separate from missions. Uh, missionaries aren't even seen anymore as at times as disciples themselves. There's, they're actually viewed by many in the church as super saints. So we've got this thing all kind of twisted around. Um, and I think because we've lost, as Matthew has said, the overarc, um, overarching story of mission, that God is a missionary God, that he sent his missionary son, and understanding that reconciling of, of everything in Christ, we've lost that. So, yes, I, I really see, you, you talk about uh, by calling all people missionaries, I, I mean, then we're going to actually bring them in. I so wish this were true. Hmm. I wish that through the self-identification of someone as a missionary, they would see their role in reaching others around them with the gospel and connect that passion 
with the meta-narrative of God's kingdom purpose for all peoples. However, the studies and the numbers tell us a very different story. In 2018, uh, Barnett did a research study just on missions and the U.S. church and revealed that 51% don't even know what the Great Commission is, never heard of it. And only 37% could identify the actual passage of Matthew 28, 18 to 20, when given the passage in a group with five total passages. Wow. This has become a global problem that shows our disconnect from the people groups with limited to zero access to the gospel of 4.5 million evangelical churches worldwide. There are 640 churches for every unreached people group representing 45,000 evangelical Christians. Yet, of the 400,000 workers sent, only three of every 100 missionaries are sent to those who haven't. Well, then you say, well, it must be money. Well, of the 47 billion spent on foreign missions in 2020, 0.1% goes to unreached people. The church spends 99.9% of the money on itself. This is not a resource problem. This is an awareness, vision, educational, and leadership problem. So while we sit in the U.S. in what we could call a gospel flood or a gospel tsunami, if you will, three billion people are unreached living in a gospel Sahara desert. So let's be frank. um, I'm obviously a little wound up about this, but (laughs) after almost 25 years or more, I almost 50 years of my life being told we're all missionaries, the priorities of God's kingdom purposes are clearly not translated to actions that benefit those who have not heard. Our hearts and our minds, God help us, we must be educated, renewed, and changed and convicted. What we really need to be woke about is we must be awakened by God's Spirit to this huge, huge imbalance and gap. And to get practical, you know, I'm not drawing out of scripture here, but this is a practical implication. What's everybody's job is nobody's job. It's just that simple. <laughs> and when right. you're calling everyone a missionary, you, you know, we devalue the unique special role of the goer. I think we minimize the unique special role of the sender. It's just, you know, we're all missionaries. You're a missionary. I'm, I've heard people say the only difference between, um, you know, Myanmar and Michigan is geography. No, that is not. This is an advocate of everyone's a missionary. So that's the the uh, optics that come into play when you call everyone a missionary. Oh, you just live somewhere else. No, no, no. It's a lot different than that. Uh, I'd I'd absolutely agree. The um, you know, the study I'm taking the the people in our church is called Explore by the Center for Missions Mobilization. And it's a seven week seven week commitment. Very short. It's like a very reduced. I don't know if it's a great analogy, but a reduced down version of perspectives. But I would say at least half of the people in the group have expressed to me that they had no idea the significance of how many are the 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 size of unreached people groups, the numbers of them, the why money. You know, one question last night was, why is it we're only spending 10% of 1%? 
Yeah, zero point uh, one. Yeah. And then you also mentioned the fifty-one percent, uh, the Barna Group uh, poll of of how many Christians understand the Great Commission. I've even heard the term. How many right. understand their calling? Uh, you know, that transitions into a question, our next question of honor, you know, is when we're labeling everyone a missionary, are we, are we removing, and, and you know, missionaries, I, I'm always as a missionary, you know, as one who's lived abroad and has served on the field, going into mission conferences and feeling I've been propped up so high on this pedestal, um, only to keep saying, but you're called to do the same thing locally in the sense of making disciples, um, you know, I know missionaries don't always like this feeling of, hey, you've got to honor us. But as one who deals with missionaries also being sent out, knowing that I want them to be honored because they're going to dangerous places, going to places they could get sick and die. Does calling everyone a missionary nullify the honor that we give to people like that? Um, I know your guest talked about it on this episode in the podcast, which I think we'll, we'll definitely put the link so people can listen yeah. to it. You know, speak to that. I know he spoke to it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I, I think it definitely nullifies the honor that we need to bestow upon those who leave their vocations, they leave their careers, they sell everything, they take their families in tow, they learn a new language, they face incredible challenges. And that's not to minimize the challenges that we face here in our own country. I'm not saying that but it's a whole different level. And I believe there's a scriptural basis for this. And uh, we read about it in the book of Philippians. So, you know, Paul's the missionary, he's in prison, he's been sent out by the church in Philippi, one of his sending churches as it were. And um, they send to Paul a love gift through a man named Epaphroditus. Now, Epaphroditus is not even a missionary. He, he's a missionary encourager. He would be, I uh, would call a representative of the church in Philippi that was sent to deliver this love gift in person. Now, he's not even a missionary, but he's visiting the missionary Paul. And Paul calls him a fellow worker, a soldier in the truth, who almost died in his your service to me. Well, what was that service? He delivered the love of the Church of Philippi in person. He faced great difficulty as he did. He almost died. It was a financial gift, but it was the gift of presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. -E. He brought a present of resources, but he brought the gift of presence. Now, this is a missionary encourager and supporter, um, Epaphroditus here. And Paul says of him, bestow honor on him because of the sacrifice he paid in bringing your gift to love and bless me. So again, not even the missionary. What I'm trying to draw out here is it's a biblical idea to honor people who sacrifice. We, we see this in scripture. Um, how many times do we see scripture surfacing the names of men as an example to follow? And, and here's another thing that just occurred to me. I've never thought of this before. Denny, this is brand new stuff, brother. <laughs> and it's kind of a the whole idea that, you know, we honor these super saints, that doesn't translate in our giving at all. If that's what honor looks like, come on. Mm. Maybe right. we, we pay lip service to honor, but it doesn't translate in our resourcing of these frontline workers. Look how well supplied our frontline soldiers are. They've got the latest technology, you know, night vision goggles, the, the best of the best. Why we honor them? Because they're on the front lines of the war effort. 
the church doesn't behave that way with its frontline sent out ones, does it? So even that, I think, is just not, it, it's kind of a, something we say, super saints, you know, but we don't treat them that way. Anyway, just a thought. Yeah, I, I think that that's really uh, helpful. Um, the, the whole idea of honoring someone in our culture has been lost. We are not seeking many times in the church to honor one another, and we're told to do so. Um, and when it talks about the, um, the question here is, well, aren't we honoring them, um, you know, just by noting their special calling? Uh, but it's no different, maybe, than someone who's doing something right here in my own context. Well, that question or statement presumes that uh, there is a great understanding of the context and pressures that cross-cultural ministry entails. Of course, we're honoring them. Well, I'm not seeing that in most of my interactions with churches. Look, since everyone is a missionary— there's little difference between my living as a disciple here and the Smith family living in Myanmar. Uh, I'll just go with what Matthew brought up. It's just geography. There's little difference whether you are a disciple in Manhattan, Maine, or Myanmar. Well, missionaries aren't super saints and shouldn't be put on pedestals. They are obedient disciples who wrestle with life's issues and challenges, just like the rest of us. Uh, they're, they're flawed like you and I are flawed. However, to compare living for Jesus in almost any state of the U.S. or situation to most of the developing world is naive at best and possibly very ignorant and calloused indifference at worst. So I think the scripture Matthew brought up shows how that was a part of the core of what it meant for the church to come alongside people that were sent out. If I can be so bold, this just recently happened. We did a survey with healed people. Now, it wasn't a you know a huge qualified play. It was a more general survey, and um, we gave them the question from our org to our field workers: What are the greatest barriers? to your church and its members understanding your cross-cultural role. And consistently, the top response was, we often receive dismissive comments from those home church members or staff who, first of all, they want the two-minute soundbite update and okay. then remind us that everyone is a missionary. It is not uncommon for them to be told every ministry in the church is missions. And there is a certain tone deafness almost that comes from church leaders as they interact with even potential field workers that I've seen. Comments, well, you know, that's great. You sense God might be speaking to you, uh, Steve, about cross-cultural missions. But, you know, all of us are missionaries. Um it's also very naive to think that they're doing the same type of evangelism locally here as those doing so globally. It's, it's incomparable. It's naive to the context in which they are. Now, I know it varies a lot, but if you're talking unreached peoples and you're talking even unengaged peoples, there's nobody there 
your maybe the sole team with um, the Christ presence in that culture. Mm. That's right. Uh, Denny, I have a follow-up question to that just quickly. I'm wondering, um, in the research that you guys have done, um, I guess that I'm interested in the definition that you've come up with missionary, because I'm curious to know, is that, because um, like, for example, the example I often use is, uh, I live here in uh, South Metro Denver, here in Colorado. Um, a local uh, a local church recently did a survey, and they saw that uh, they found that 75% of the households in the area where I live uh, do not have any religious affiliation. And so now these are technically, we would not call these unreached people uh, because they live in the gospel tsunami, as you said. But to them, Sunday is just another Saturday. Right to them, it's just it's another day to go skiing, another day to enjoy the nice Colorado weather. And so I'm wondering, someone who has dedicated their lives and feel God calling them to reach the 75% of households that do not one day in their lives think about God, uh, is that a missionary as well? Um, I I would say no. Um, I would say a missionary, specifically an apostolic worker is someone who is crossing over barriers now of, of primarily language, culture. Um, and, you know, again, to go back to what you mentioned, we are living in a gospel tsunami. So, you know, you go to my neighborhood right here within five miles. Now, I've got people around me, some who know Jesus, many who do not but around me is no less than probably 30,000 believers within five miles. I can tell you that there's at least 20 churches. There's seven or eight um, radio, FM, AM stations that are Christians where they can hear the gospel. I think, again, the comparison, uh, we got to be very careful. Now, would I say that it's geography? No, not necessarily. You could be sent from uh, Denver to go to, I'll pick, Minneapolis, and you go live with the 150,000 Somali Muslims that are in that city, learning the language, learning their culture, to minister to them. Would that person be a missionary? Absolutely. I mean, even myself, I think it's very important for us to be very careful People say, oh, so you're a missionary. I'm like, nope, not a missionary. Sorry, not. I'm a mobilizer. Mm. And, and it's something that all of us actually can be a part of and can own. So I would be much more, um, I think the blurring of those lines, even the uh, term the unreached, are people that simply don't know Jesus. No, they don't know Jesus, and there's no one there who could show them or tell them if they wanted to know. This goes back to something else we've been hitting on, is we need to recapture what it means to be a disciple of the king. You're talking about the normal work of disciples, being That's salt right. and light at all levels in your own culture, feeding the hungry, looking out for orphans and widows. This is the work of the church. Right. Um, you know, it, 
think of evangelism as growing and strengthening the church where it's at. And missions is taking the gospel where it isn't. That's an oversimplified you know, definition there. But the church does exist in Denver. I, I know there's a lot of lost people in, in Denver, no doubt about it. But I would say they, they need evangelism and outreach. You know, um, they don't need apostolic work in that sense because the church has already been planted there. Mm, so right. the church is there and now it's being it's doing it should be doing the work of the church. I realize it's struggling. OK, I get that. But the mm-hmm. point is, if we recapture what it means to be disciples and we deploy our people on a daily basis to be doing the work of disciples, those issues should be addressed. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. I, I don't want to dogpile the cheetah here, <laughs> but here's the deal. I think we have a lot of confusion in the church about what outreach is and what missions is and what evangelism is and what missions is. Everybody thinks all of that is one big ball of wax that you can put together. Consider a couple of statements. Outreach is what the church does by both existing in its context and making an impact within its context where we live. Mm-hmm. Missions is what the church does by both intentionally initiating beyond its context and stepping beyond where we live. Evangelism and missions are also not the same. As Matthew just pointed out, it's a little oversimplification, but I, I don't think that it is. Evangelism is helping people believe in Jesus. Missions is helping people know there is a Jesus to believe in. There's a big difference between those two. So as he said, it's often stated that the evangelism, evangelism is the church growing where it is, and missions is the church going where it isn't. Mm, that's really helpful. So that that going where the church isn't is the part that's, and how will they hear without a preacher? That's right. That's the idea behind that Romans 10, um, you know, kind of exposition that Paul gives so passionately. And how will they preach unless they're sent? Yes. Again, the esteeming of the sender. Come on. The honoring of the sender. Mm. Wow. This conversation has been so great. And in fact, it turns out that uh, uh, we're going to need to stretch this into <laughs> into uh, two episodes. And so for now, uh, Steve, let's go ahead and close out this episode. Let me just say this for those of you that uh, have been watching. If you want to learn more about uh, what these guys are doing, uh, they actually have a website for their books and for the podcast and for the uh, links to their ministries, and it's just whenevertheringismissions.com. And um, we want to thank you all for joining us for this, the first of now two episodes, when we call everybody a missionary. So for now, we want to thank you for joining us, and we want to encourage you to uh, subscribe to the uh, Missions Talk Facebook page, uh, the Missions Talk YouTube channel, and that way you're going to get new episodes. And so when you can you can join us for the second one and it'll just come and you'll be alerted as to when it's uh, when it's coming about. And 
Uh, we'll look forward to having you for this, the, uh, the part two of this episode we've had with Denny and Matt. To find out more about Missions Talk or to watch previous episodes, please go to facebook.com forward slash missions talk. It is on our Facebook page that we have the catalog of all of our episodes. To find out more about my organization, 18 Catalyst, please go to 18catalyst.org. And to find out about Steve's work with Silk Road Catalyst, please go to silkroadcatalyst.com. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll look forward to having you with us on the next episode of Missions Talk.